Hey there, and welcome back to Season 1, Episode 53 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. And my name's Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Lauren Wells, the author of Raising Up a Generation of Healthy Third Culture Kids. She's a blogger, she's an influencer, she's a writer, and um, just very influential when it comes to third culture kids and how we can care for them, she's a third culture kid herself. I, I'm not, you know, I grew up in Wally Ford, West Virginia, um, not, did not travel um, overseas. And so, but I live in a family with my wife, Heather, and uh, my daughter, Isabel and Josiah, both are all three are third culture kids. And so this book has been something that I found fascinating and it's helped me understand my, my, my children and my wife um, better. And um, just a phenomenal conversation with her. We'll talk about trauma. We'll talk about transition. We'll talk about grief. Um, one thing that I really appreciate, Lauren, there's many things. She's a phenomenal communicator, written and um, orally. The other thing is I really appreciate about her is um, she's taken a preventative approach. What can we do um, as a mission? What can we do as a family? What can we do to um, prevent um, challenges from arising and starting when ch- when our kids are young and working towards their older. She'll talk that a lot of times we see challenges arise in the 20s when all the social support systems and many of the social support systems are no longer there. That's when we'll see challenges arise in third culture kids. And she'll, she'll explain what third culture kids are. And I really enjoyed learning from her. It was valuable for me and I know you're going to love it too. Do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, agwmafrica.org for an increasingly redeemed and transformed Africa, 50 countries, 257 training centers, 404 missionaries, and 79,106 indigenous churches. Discover what you can do and how you can be engaged at agwmafrica.org. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, Lauren Wells. Um, I was just sharing before we hit record. Um, her book has been super insightful for me because I am a boy that was born and raised in Wally Ford, West Virginia. And um, I live in a family with uh, my wife was an MK and two Zimbabwe and my two kids obviously are their TCKs. And so it's been a super insightful for me. And so I emailed her and she agreed. And so I'm so excited to learn from her today. Lauren, will you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience um, before we jump into some questions? Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Lauren Wells, like you said, and I grew up in Tanzania, East Africa, but we moved there when I was 12. So we moved a little bit later in life and definitely uh, became part of the TCK world in that sense. And I now live in South Carolina with my husband and our two girls. And we've just been here since March. Before that, we were in Oregon for six years. So we've been doing our own transition, not (laughs) overseas, but definitely cross-culturally as well. For for sure, for sure. And uh, your book, um, Raising Up a Generation of Healthy uh, Third Culture Kids, A Practical Guide to Preventative Care. Could you just share a little bit about what led you to write this book? Yeah, so I did a lot of work uh, with an organization called Culture Bound, developing culture, learning, and language acquisition programs for families who are about to move cross-culturally. And as I was doing those programs, I was teaching them, I was leading them, and then I was also working with the parents. I was realizing that so many parents had heard horror stories about families (laughs) who'd taken kids overseas who had not done well, and they were 
expressing things that I had heard all the time growing up on the mission field that so many TCKs struggle as adults, but we're just going to grit our teeth and pray and hope it works out. And so I, being in this position of working with the kids and talking with the parents, started to think and really work through there has to be a more preventive, proactive (laughs) way to go about this than just grit our teeth and hope it doesn't happen to our kids. So I really started to work through that and started writing a blog um, and did that for a while just for those families who came through our trainings. Mm -hmm. And unbeknownst to me, all of a sudden it started getting shared all over and people were really latching onto this idea of preventive TCK care. Yeah. So I wrote about that for a while, um, would occasionally speak about it, but it was a pretty um, low key sort of a thing. And then I was approached by uh, several people in the TCK care world who said, have you ever thought about turning this into a book? Yeah. I said, I can't write a book. <laughs> they said, well, Sure you can. You, you've written all of these blog posts over the last few years. We need this in a book. We, as TCK care workers, as families moving cross-culturally, we need a practical guide for what to do to raise our kids in healthy ways overseas. And we need something that's accessible that we can actually feel like we have the time to read and digest with toddlers as we're moving overseas and that sort of thing. So I got to work on that, um, and it was only about a year-long process. It was a year from these people saying, you need to do this, to published. So that's how the book came about, and it definitely has hit a felt need, for sure. For sure, specifically for guys like me. Could you share, just um, before we jump into some of the the questions, that I got a lot of questions, but... For somebody listening in and they hear third culture kid, um, you know, you somebody moves overseas, is could it really impact somebody's life? And it, could you just share the importance of understanding the impact that that transition has on um, on on a on a child as they move overseas, whether they're twelve or they're sixteen or they're seventeen or whatever age or, or three. Could you just unpack that? Because I think, honestly, for me, it's been a challenge for me to understand because I, I, I mean, I'm learning and um, obviously I have two kids and we've, they've lived overseas their whole life um, and I'm learning, um, but I'm still learning. And could you maybe, maybe some grandparents are listening into this, maybe some, some uh, aunts and uncles are listening into this and they're wondering, what is this whole third culture kid thing? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll unpack it in a couple of different ways. The first is that there are things that TCKs experience, and TCKs, just so everybody's on the same page, are kids who grew up outside their parents' passport culture. Okay. And it doesn't have to do really with the actual places where they live. So it's not about the geography and Mm -hmm. that they're a mix of their passport country and the country where they grow up, but really that they have things in common with other kids who've been globally mobile throughout their childhood and their developmental years. So the reason why growing up cross-culturally for kids is significant is because it happens during the developmental years. So there are a number of things going on in their brain. They're learning how life works. They're learning about their identity, where they fit into the world. And while all of those things are taking place, 
they are being exposed to different ways of doing life and different cultures and their identity does get confused and they're going through an intense amount of grief and loss when they move different places or the people around them move. So one aspect of TCK life that really impacts kids is something called high mobility. And high mobility doesn't necessarily have to happen to the child. So it's not necessarily that them themselves move around a lot. That is true for many TCKs. But even if they move to one country and they just stay there for most of their developmental years, the community around them is typically very transient. And so they're going to have people coming in and out of their lives a lot. So that impacts things like attachment and relationship building and that identity piece and even something that we call the need for change. So feeling like if things aren't changing significantly every couple of years, I get bored and I need to do something to make big changes, which, and this is something we can talk about later, but in childhood, that's not that big of an issue. It's fine if you need big changes and usually that happens naturally in the life of a TCK. Right. But when they're adults, that's when all of a sudden you can't just flippantly change countries or schools or relationships, especially when you're married. Right. Um, those sorts of things every couple of years just to satisfy this change need that's controlling you. Yeah. So things like that impact the TCK through their developmental years. And the key is that it is informing them, informing their brain how life should go. Hmm. and is creating these pathways that then if they're not tended to which is the whole idea of preventive care if they're not tended to they can manifest in really unhealthy ways in adulthood but we often don't see that as they're growing up overseas so that's the idea of preventive care right is we're doing things before there's actually a problem Hmm. so it's often that parents or grandparents or the people around them they don't see that there's an issue because there isn't yet. They're just kids living overseas. The issues come later. And that's why we have to take 10 steps back and say, okay, well, how can I prevent this issue that's common for 25 year old TCKs starting when they're four and come at it from that perspective. Super valuable, super valuable. Um, You shared many things in your book. And um, one of the things that really jumped out to me was you share that health, the health of parents directly impacts the health of their children. Mm -hmm. And so I had never honestly heard it put that way. It makes a lot of sense, but you unpack it very, very, um, very, very well. Can you share how the health of parents impacts their children specifically during transitions? Yeah, for sure. So Um, A couple of different ways. We'll talk about it on a micro level and then I'll explain it in a more macro sense. But first of all, when parents are not emotionally healthy themselves or they are in high stress situations, so their brain is in what we'll call the red zone. That's not my term. A lot of people use that, the red zone and the green zone. The idea is that they're really stressed out. So their brain's in the red zone. They are not going to be as attentive to their child's emotional needs in that season. Hmm. And it's usually the point in time when the parents are very stressed out. They're moving, they're filing all their paperwork, they're getting their (laughs) visas together, they're figuring out how to live in a different culture. They're under a considerable amount of stress. And that's the time when their kids have the highest emotional needs. So I was just talking to um, a family this morning and she was saying in these two weeks of transition, 
Her kids have been so clingy and want to be held all the time, but she has 10 million things she has to do. <laughs> and so trying to figure out how to meet those emotional needs yeah. in that moment gets really difficult. And what happens is if that routinely takes place, kids feel like when they're at a in this space of needing it most, their parents are not there for them emotionally. Hmm. And so they either over-engage and will do everything that they can to get that attention, whether it's behavior issues or crying or the things that kids do to get parents' attention, all very healthy, normal, natural. So they'll either do that to an extreme or they will disconnect and decide, okay, I guess I'm in it for myself and I just have to figure out how to do this without the support of a parent. So that is what often happens when parents are not intentional. Now, because parents are in that space of being really overwhelmed themselves, they have to be intentional in ways that is healthy for them too. Mm -hmm. So that could be saying to the child, I see that you really need me to hold you right now and you really need that attention. I have to do these two things and then let's go snuggle on the couch or let's go read a book together. But instead of just constantly saying, no, I can't give that to you, following up with a, I can't this second, but then we can do this. Yeah. And and flipping it around that way is really, really helpful. No, that's super practical too. And um, learning language, I, I said, you know, when I arrived in Burkina and then here in Madagascar, it was like you play that game where you, as a parent, you know, you you, you got your head on the, the baseball bat and you turn around, turn around, turn around, and then you stand up and everything. That's how I felt when I arrived in Burkina Faso. That's how I felt when I arrived in Madagascar. And you're right, you, your kids, you love them and you care for them, but you're just trying to figure out how to survive for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And they're part of you and you want to do the best, but you're almost that you you reached your limit and um man it's 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 tough and i just thought it was super value um how you how you shared that can you share what um we've talked about healthy healthy tck and and we want to do preventative rather than reactionary which really resonates with me as a, a healthcare practitioner what does a healthy tck look like yeah so healthy tcks usually come about as adults. Um, okay. So TCKs usually look like they're doing okay. For the most part, you'll have some bumps here and there. They usually look like they're doing okay until adulthood. And then that's when we often see it go downhill, um, which quick side note here, that's also usually when they don't have the support of parents near them and they have aged out of whatever agency or company they've been a part of. So they're not really a part of that anymore. So they all of a sudden don't have the team around them essentially, mm -hmm. and they're in the space where they're really struggling. What a healthy TCK is, is someone who has used their experiences growing up and has processed them and effectively um, unstacked their grief tower, which is something we can talk about in a little bit if you'd like. But yeah. the idea of really resolving a lot of the, the hard things about it and realizing what good things have come from it and how they can use those in healthy ways. Another piece of it is acknowledging and being aware of the things that are going on in them because of being a TCK. So that need for change example, many adult TCKs 
will be controlled by their need for change without ever realizing that it's happening. Hmm. So they will just, they feel like it's a natural occurrence that every year on the dot, they have a new relationship or they have a new job. And there's always a seemingly legitimate reason why the first one didn't work out. But when it's a pattern that's very consistent, that's a clear TCK challenge. And so just being aware of that helps them to take control over those things. And I also would say that there is no one who's going to be the epitome of a healthy TCK. Hmm. We all have areas to grow in things to learn. I have done a lot of work in the TCK world. I have done a lot of work on myself as a TCK and I still struggle with things all the time that I have to think about. Oh, man, I definitely did that out of an impulse for needing change instead of controlling it and saying, okay, how can I do this in a more healthy way and make a pros and cons list instead of making a really quick decision, those sorts of things. So I think it's really that awareness of how your life has impacted you and using that awareness to control the ways that you go about life going forward, make decisions, become an emotionally healthy individual. Um, Even things like building relationships and attaching to people. One thing that TCKs often struggle with, especially if they've moved a lot, is having healthy attachments to people. Hmm. Well, if you don't realize that and you don't know that, then it's hard to be really intentional as an adult about finding ways to attach to people in healthy ways. Hmm. And so, yeah, that idea of being a healthy TCK is a lot of awareness and then being really proactive yourself about making healthy decisions. Yeah, that's good. Can you go ahead and talk about the, you talked about the grief tower. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, my wife and I have had uh, quite a few discussions about that. And it's it's been super insightful for me, honestly, as a parent and then also as a husband, because it, as you talked about the, the desire to transition I'm like, man, there's a lot of things that are beginning to make sense. And, um, but I really appreciate it. Could you, could you share about the the grief tower? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is just my way and my model for talking about how grief impacts TCKs and really any children. This could be broadened even beyond TCKs. But the idea is that throughout our lives and especially our developmental years, things happen that are grief inducing or that are difficult or even traumatic and those things stack up like blocks on a tower and so everything that happens adds a block on top of the tower and what happens for tck's is they experience so much grief and loss during their developmental years that that tower gets really high and unless it's intentionally unstacked it goes unresolved so If you've heard anything about grief and TCKs, you've probably heard that unresolved grief is an issue for TCKs. Well, this is why. It's because their tower stacks up and up and up, and it never gets intentionally unstacked. So then they go into adulthood with a high-stacked grief tower, and that's why all of those things that we often see happen for adult TCKs that are um, even debilitating happen usually in their early 20s because they go in with a high stack grief tower that hasn't been resolved and it doesn't take much for it to be knocked over it takes one stressful event even something that could be a positive stressor like getting married or um, starting college those sorts of things are really great and yet still are stressors and so that's the problem with 
the grief tower and TCKs. What we can do though, is we can proactively help them to unstack their grief tower as they go by talking about what those blocks are and processing them as a family, as if they're teenagers, encouraging them to process it themselves, but really taking the time to work through all of that. It is way easier to work through the grief tower as you go. So if you're raising kids overseas to unstack those blocks routinely, then to try to do all of it at once at 25 years old by yourself in a counselor's office. It is a much easier process to just <laughs> do it little by little as you go. And yeah. so that's what I really encourage families to do. And one quick thing with that is that it is not taking a block off the tower and throwing it away and pretending that it's not an issue anymore because now you've talked about it and you've processed it. It's just taking it off and setting it next to the tower so that it doesn't carry the same weight as if it stacks higher and higher. Wow. If it sits next to the tower, you can revisit it. You can talk about it again, but it's not going to be lodged in their brain in a way that really grows and manifests as they grow into adulthood. Wow. And that's, I love the illustration part of it because it helps, helps me understand it. And have you seen a lot more of grief and TCKs with the, with COVID and the transitions and maybe graduations or maybe leaving the field under circumstances that, that were not exactly how they thought. Um, could that process, could this process um, be used in, in this time also? Absolutely. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of families. I've done more debriefs than ever in the last six months. And a lot of it is debriefing what's gone on during COVID. So often families will have me do a debrief specifically because of the last year of transitions. And I will absolutely do that. And then we back it up and say, okay, but there's more <laughs> underneath this. So let's stack, unstack the grief tower all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, Cause otherwise that's still going to sit there and be stacked up and unresolved. Um, but certainly during COVID there have been a lot of grief inducing experiences, a lot of losses and I was telling somebody the other day that we need to just assume that every child who's gone through COVID, whether they're a TCK or not, has added some blocks to their grief tower. And we need to process those and talk through what they are just so that they don't lodge there. And it doesn't have to be a crazy extensive process, but it does need to happen. Um, so yeah, definitely during this season, there's been a lot more of that. Good deal. Good deal. You talk um, in there, uh, in the book and um, Rich really, I love the book because there's a lot of practical advice. And so it's, it's you, you have great theory, which I love theory. Um, I'm a scientist. I love theory, but I love the practicalities, um, which that really helped me. And one of the, the practical pieces of advice you talked about everyday care. Um, could you unpack that for, for us and for the audience? Because you, you talk about preventative care and this, this not of everyday things that we can do rather than waiting till the end of the year or till you said in their 20, we're in our 20s to, to do this. But could you unpack everyday care for us? Yeah, for sure. So CARE is the acronym that I use for preventive care. And it stands for Conversations, Awareness, Relationship, and Example. And the idea is that as we're raising TCKs, we need to routinely, in our normal daily rhythms, have conversations about some of these things that we know are struggles for TCKs. So bringing in conversations about identity, even in a simple way, like 
what are the things about you that you really like? Or what do you like to do? Or what makes you feel happy? So having conversations about, like I said, like identity or things about, about grief, talking through the grief tower, those sorts of things can happen on a regular basis and it doesn't have to be a big ordeal. Being aware of those things and what the challenges are for TCKs really helps you to connect the dots. So if you know that uh, this grief tower thing is a reality for TCKs and that when they get blocks on their grief tower, it likely results in behavior issues in that moment or that sort of thing, then in the everyday life, if you know that something happened yesterday or that you were evacuated because of COVID or something took place that was grief inducing and might've been a block on their tower, then those behavior issues become more of an opportunity to process than to just discipline and move on. So having that awareness connects the dots for you. And then that relationship piece is critical. So one thing that I am so adamant about and, and really push, <laughs> push home is that the antidote to um, this idea of unhealthy TCKs and to uh, this idea that they have toxic stress in their brains, all these different things that we know TCKs struggle with, the thing that combats that is healthy, supportive adult relationships. And that can be the parents, that can be people around them, that could be, um, yeah, just anyone who they trust. But it's those healthy, supportive adult relationships that really make all of the difference. So that's why relationship is in the acronym, that that is key, is having those safe relationships. And then finally, example. So the interesting thing about being an example for TCKs is that you're often needing to model things that you never would have imagined you'd have to model to your kids. <laughs> so there are things like, we'll just keep going with the need for change example. You may not have ever thought about the fact that you need to model for your kids what it is like to make really big life changes. What happens for TCKs oftentimes is that the really big life changes, like moving to a different country, they find out about after the decision has been made. And so to them, it feels like, oh, this was just a quick decision because they weren't part of the wow. writing pros and cons list and talking about whether this is a good idea or not and praying about it and talking to other people, all those things that go into making a big decision. Hmm. What happens in adulthood is I, I often work with college students and I'll have them categorize different types of changes and whether they're flippant changes that can be made without really thinking about it or big decisions. Well, they will put dyeing your hair and changing friend groups or majors or schools in the same category <laughs> as these things can just happen flippantly. I can move to Iceland or I can rearrange my furniture and it all is kind of the same thing. <laughs> And so really modeling those things. So again, we're talking about example in the care acronym. Yeah. We really need to, to know what we need to model because otherwise you would never even think as a parent 
about the things that you're supposed to be modeling to your TCKs. Well, that's good. I think as adult, that's, I make that mistake a lot. You know, I'll, I'll ponder something and make a decision that just really resonated with me. Oh, and then I expect everybody to come up to speed as quickly mm-hmm. as I, I've taken three or four months to process it, pray about it. And then I just I'm not make an announcement, but share it. And then I expect everybody to jump on board and what took me three or four months to process and to make a decision. I expect everybody else for it to take them three to four minutes to say yes and jump on board too. And so super valuable as a parent, um, to think about that and to process changes um, when, yeah. And you talked about relationships um, in, in that acronym of relationships and um, something that really jumped out in your writings is that it frequently um, TCKs will often break off relationships rather than restore, um, restore relationships. Can you unpack or share a little bit more deeper about that? Is, and is that a common theme or is that a stereotype or, or something you see? Yeah, so it is a common theme, and it's something that I, I do see quite a bit. And this um, typically happens when they have been highly mobile or the people around them have. So there have been a lot of changing in relationships. And what tends to happen is when they've experienced that a lot, it feels too unsafe to attach to people completely. And so they will be in a lot of situations where the friend thinks that they're best friends, but the TCK is thinking, well, I like hanging out with you, but I could leave tomorrow and never see you again and not really think twice about it. Wow. And so it's this disconnect from wanting to be friends with somebody or wanting to be in relationship with somebody and yet having that deep attachment that would cause grief when you leave. So a lot of it is self-protecting of that's really hard and that feels really yucky and I don't want to do that again. So yeah, I'm going to make friends, but I'm only going to make friends to a point because I don't want it to hurt that bad when we leave. So that's a lot of why that happens. And, um, and do you work with uh, TCKs on how, is that something that, that, can be developed and in, in, in the restoration process of relationships, or is that if you reach 25, it's you're set in stone and the path, neural pathways are in place and that's something you can't grow in. Is, have you found it's something that can be developed? Yes. So I am always an advocate for there's always room for growth. You can always get out of whatever rut you're in, no matter how old you are. Um, some of the people who I have seen grow the most, it's been in their 50s and 60s. And wow. that's just a testament to me of no matter how old I yeah. am, I will still be able to work on things yeah. and grow and learn. Yeah. Um, but that is especially something that it takes intentionality to learn, especially when you have taught yourself how to not do that for so long. Um, And this is something from, from my own experience too, that I definitely was the one who did that. I went to four different high schools. Um, One of them was being homeschooled, but four different high school situations in different countries. And that definitely caused that feeling of, okay, well, I'm not really going to actually attach to anyone because that's not safe and I can't keep attaching and detaching. Um, What that did was then in my university years, I didn't know how to build true deep relationships. Hmm. And so I went through all four years of university in Indiana. And other than my now husband, I didn't have really close friends at all. 
Um, so it was when we moved to Oregon after we were married. So we were married for a year in Indiana and then we moved to Oregon and I decided I am going to try this deep friendship thing and figure out how to learn to love and be loved and understood by people enough to be sad about leaving them because not having close friends for what was it? Eight years was way harder (laughs) and I didn't want to keep doing that. And so it was a very hard, intentional process. Um, but one thing that was important for me to begin that process was a commitment to being somewhere for a while. And mm. so I always encourage families. It really is a safety mechanism, a survival mechanism that TCKs use because it really is so hard and hurts so bad to keep building deep friendships and leaving them. Hmm. And so if you know you're going to be moving every year, don't force them to do that. Wow. That is not healthy. If you want them to do that, promise stability as much as you can to to your own knowledge for at least a couple of years, because then it kind of gives them the green light, like, okay, it's safe because I know for at least the couple next couple of years, I can do this. Um, So that was one thing that moving to Oregon, it was a decision of, okay, I'm going to jump into this, but I need to know that if I try really hard to do this, there's going to be some sense of stability for a while. Um, And there was, and now we have moved. And I'm very happy to say that I have really, really deep friendships that I plan to continue for my entire life um, because of that season there. But yeah, it it is something that you can change. I've done it. The value of our brains being neuroplast the neuroplasticity of our brains that we can grow and develop. Sure. You talked, um, you just shared about emotional safety. And um, what are some reasons maybe parents are, are not providing that? Um, maybe is there some themes that you, you've seen that um, workers, parents that are they're not providing that emotional safety for the children? And is there some advice on how we can grow? Me, my, I'm asking for myself how I can provide emotional safety for, for my children. Yeah, for sure. This is a really significant issue for TCKs and especially those who are um, who are workers who are there with that purpose, um, because there's often this overwhelming, uh, almost push on them for them to always be good and okay and excited about what they're doing and supportive of what their parents are doing, and so they're often from outsiders at first, and then sometimes parents, which we'll talk about in a second, but often from outsiders at first, it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm really having a hard time, but I guess I'm not allowed to, because this is supposed to be an exciting adventure and really good. And apparently all the kids back in my passport country should want to live this life too, because they think it's really awesome every time I come home. And So it feels like I'm not allowed to express emotions other than positive ones. Hmm. Um, How that carries out to the parents is the parents in their wanting to make their kids feel better and wanting to be really great parents to their kids, they will say things that almost minimize the hard or make the sad things, um, seem less sad and they'll kind of discredit it. So they'll say things like, 
well, I know you're missing your old school, but you have so many new friends at your new school. Or, yeah, you left your friends there, but you have great friends here. Or, um, I know that you're missing your old bed, but look at this cool bed that has this awesome mosquito net on it. And <laughs> you'll come up with all of these different things that are supposed to make them feel better, but it just reinforces that idea that, okay, well, I guess this really isn't as hard as I think it is, or I feel more sad about this than I'm supposed to, or those sorts of things. And so creating that safe space really just means affirming their emotions and saying, yes, it is really hard. Let's think about some things that are, are good as well. So you're not simply affirming the hard emotions and then leaving it there, but you are affirming before you do anything else. So you're affirming that there are hard emotions. It really is difficult. You're even giving them an example of how it's so hard for you. So when they say, I really miss my bed, instead of coming right back with a quick, happy response about how cool their new bed is, saying, you know what? Sometimes I really miss my old bed too. And I have a hard time sleeping in my new bed sometimes. What other things do you miss? And then you can talk about the positives also. So I never want families to think that we're supposed to always keep it in that dark, dreary, let's just talk about the hard things space. But it is important that you communicate to them that that is safe to talk about and that is safe to feel. Because what will often happen for TCKs is that they will come to the point of thinking or deciding or realizing I am not supposed to feel this way. And so I'm going to try really hard not to. And what happens with a lot of TCKs is they end up disconnecting their bodily responses to emotions from the emotion itself. Hmm. Um, And so what we see for especially teenage and adult TCKs is they will have a really hard time connecting things like anxiety feels like a pit in my stomach, or when I'm worried, my palms sweat, or that sort of thing, connecting those emotion words to what's going on in their body, there's often a significant disconnect because it almost is like throughout their life, they're told to disconnect. Hmm. They're told you have all these hard feelings, but you're not supposed to feel like that. So put on a good face and don't worry about what you're actually feeling in your body. Wow. Um, So that ends up being a really significant long-term issue and it takes a lot of work. So that neuroplasticity idea, very true. It does reconnect, but it does take a lot of work to reconnect in your brain, how to feel your feelings on a physical level. For sure. Once those neural pathways are are wide and then well-trodden, it does Mm -hmm. take, it definitely does take time to do that. And so what I'm hearing you say is it's, um, it's uh, important for parents to not minimize um, how their TCKs are feeling. And then also it's okay, it's okay for parents to share maybe how they're feeling also in an age appropriate level, obviously, but it's okay for them to resonate with that and share, not live there, but to share with it and share with them their emotions and then walk and model that. Is that, is that what you're sharing? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just the idea of affirm the grief before moving on. That's good. Is what I tell families all the time. Affirm it and then move on. Can one of the, before we jump in, I got two more questions for you. Hopefully we got time. Um, But uh, one of you talk about trauma 
And um, you talked about two different types of trauma, a big T trauma and a little T trauma. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a physically traumatic event you shared that, that um, for it to be considered a trauma. Could you unpack what a, a little T trauma is and what a big T trauma is? Yeah. So, and these, these are not my own terms. These come from well-researched psychology. Um, but the idea of a big T trauma is that that is something really significant and intense that happens. And you are one way before the trauma. And after the trauma, you have all of these physical symptoms, all these things. Um, so you can imagine in your mind what a big T trauma might be. Little T traumas are what TCKs most often deal with. So some certainly may experience a big T trauma, but for the most part, we're looking at little T traumas. And all that means is the blocks on the grief tower, essentially. So it's really the really intense grief-inducing experiences. It's really significant losses. Um, it's a friend moving away unexpectedly. It's packing up all of your things and you can't take one special thing with you. All of those things add up, they stack up and respawn. So the idea is that it's called complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So your body responds like you've undergone a big T trauma that's caused PTSD, hmm. but it happens in little teeny tiny increments all through your developmental years and doesn't manifest until adulthood. So exactly what we're talking about with this whole TCK grief tower idea. Um, those little T traumas are all about the perspective of the child, which is really important to note. So it may not be what actually happened or as severe as they think that it happened, but if from the perspective of the three-year-old, they felt really physically unsafe in that moment, or they felt like that was a horrible experience, that would count, even if it's not maybe as severe from the perspective of the parents, it's still from the perspective of a three-year-old could count as a little T trauma. That's good. I'm this. I'm taking more of your time, but I just want, what advice would you have as we, we close our, our conversation for today for grandparents that aren't a TCK? Do you have any wisdom and advice for them on how they can care and love for their TCKs um, and maybe be understanding of what they're going through and points of contact um, as they love and care for their, there are their grandkids, but it's maybe different than the way they grew up with their grandparent, their grandkids and grandparents and all those relationships. Yes. So the very, very best advice I could give is to really ask questions. I think grandparents often assume that they understand their grandkids and for the grandkids who are TCKs, that can feel like they are even more misunderstood if that makes sense. So when they think that they know them, but the TCK is thinking, but you, you actually don't have any idea. Yeah. That makes them feel very misunderstood. And so grandparents asking questions and trying to learn about their life overseas, trying to learn about how that's impacted them, what it really felt like to move the first time. 
And then grandparents also fall into the rut, which I think, I think really all adults do, but fall into the rut of wanting to make them feel better. And so grandparents also need to really be intentional about affirming the hard things and then listening to their grandkids when they talk about the hard things. Um, another thing that I always recommend is for grandparents to read a book on TCKs, whether that's my book or another TCK book, but it's just really helpful for them to, well, two things, understand their grandkids on a deeper level, but that communicates to their grandkids that they want to understand them on a deeper level and acknowledge that it may be different than they grew up themselves or than they raised their parents or whatever it is. Um, So I always encourage that as well. Good deal. I appreciate it more than you know. Would you, Lauren, will you pray for our audience today that um, God will use the wisdom that you shared? We'll put a, a link to your book and um, to your website and on, in the show notes and people can can buy your book and uh, a link to your website. And But do we just pray for the audience that um, as parents, we were given our children and we want to steward them the best we can and that we can learn and grow and um, so we care for them. And as you share, I love the idea of preventative care, um, not reactionary once we get there. And sometimes that's needed. But if we can begin to, to care for our children and, and this place where they're at and help hopefully prevent some of those, uh, taking down some of those blocks off the grief tower as you, you share. So will you pray for us today? Absolutely. God, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for this opportunity just to share and really bring encouragement to parents who are raising kids all over the world. God, you know their hearts. You know that they love their children, that they want this to be a great experience. And I pray that this would give them um, just a little bit of practical knowledge and, again, encouragement for how they can do that well. We are so blessed as parents to be able to raise human beings and that you um, give us the ability to do that. And I pray that as we all do that, that you would give us the grace and the wisdom and the um, constant guidance and leadership so that we can really do our best to raise kids who love you ultimately and who can grow to be healthy, whole adults who can really help people who come after them who are going through similar lifestyles that these tck's who are young right now that they would grow up to really be a huge impact in our world and in our ever globalizing society for you we love you lord in your name amen amen